We're in a series called New Life. My name is Joel. I'm one of the pastors here. This is Vic. He's our college pastor. We've got a lot of college students in here. You've already heard that. We've got a lot of non-college students in here. And we've been tracking through this book. And it's been transforming for me. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And when we get to this passage today, this is rich. And I don't know about you guys, but it's going to address a question, um, a fear that I have, and that probably a lot of you have come across. You have, you ever have a fear of being alone? Anyone ever? No, no, Surely no, no one in here at all. Okay. When do you feel the most alone? And I could tell you, as I was thinking about being alone, it, it happened to me just last week. And it seems to happen here a lot. I was in a store, I'm not going to name which store it was, one of those big box stores. And after going, you know, I was there when not a lot of other people were there. Um, and I'm, I walked down like 25 aisles and I haven't seen like a person at all. And um, I'm looking for some stain remover for some like carpet stain remover. And don't ask questions. And I was. <laughs> you do have a lot of kids. <laughs> yes. And, and I walked down like 25 aisles, didn't see a person, and I, I then like make another circle around. And I'm looking for the stain remover, and it is nowhere to be found. And I'm looking for someone to help me. There's no one there to help me. And, and then I start to think like, is there anyone here at all? <laughs> like, where is everyone? You know, like, it's a huge store. There, there's, there should be hundreds of people in here, but I felt all alone. You guys ever felt like that? Like you're looking for something? I spent 20 minutes looking for this. Maybe I'm just supposed to rant today. I don't know. I spent 20 minutes <laughs> looking for this item, could not find it, and I had no help at all. Yeah, that, that is, a, I think, is a common experience. Anybody else? Like, that happened to me this week. It's always somebody named a place. We can't oh, name boy. We're not going to name places. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, we all know, right? <laughs> um, so that, that's kind of a funny alone thing. But there, there are some moments where, where in, the, in our soul yeah. we feel alone. And um, what we're going to look at today is going to address kind of that, that really uh, deep soul ache mm-hmm. of loneliness and maybe you have felt that maybe you're struggling with it right now uh, but I, today's text is going to give you some hope uh, and, and what, something to fight that what with. Jesus promises is a helper yeah and so it, I, I, that's what I was wishing for I was wishing I had someone there to help me and so we're in John chapter 14 verse 15 we actually stopped at verse 11 last week Right before that, Jesus says, truly, truly, I say to you, this is verse 12. Let me just go back, just so this is in mind too. Whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these will he do, because I am going to the Father. So Jesus is saying, I'm going away. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that my Father be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Verse 15. If you love me, you will keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. There's the helper. Even, this is who the helper is, the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Yet 
a little while and the world will see me no more, but you will see me because I live, you will also live. In that day, you will know that I am in the Father and you in me and I in you. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words. And the word that you hear is not mine, but the father's who sent me. These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you. But the helper, here's, here's what now Jesus labels him, the Holy Spirit whom the father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let them be afraid. You heard me say to you, I am going away and I will come to you. If you loved me, you would have rejoiced because I'm going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. And now I have told you before it takes place so that when it does take place, you may believe. I will no longer talk, talk much with you, for the ruler of the world is coming. He has no claim on me, but I do as the Father has commanded me, so that the world may know that I love the Father. Rise, let us go from here. Let me pray for us, and then we'll kind of unpack this. Father, we, uh, we need your help this morning. Mm-hmm. Uh, we need the helper. That's right. Uh, not... Uh, not just for uh, Joel and I uh, as we teach, but for us as your people, as we hear what you have to say to us. So, Father, uh, I would ask that you do what you promised to do in this word, that you will be with us today and that Jesus would be made much of and we would be encouraged. Uh, and it's in Jesus' name we pray this. Amen. So you, you have this uh, picture here in this text. You, you get the Trinity, right? Um, and inside the Trinity, there has never been aloneness, right? There's always been withness, mm-hmm. all right? Uh, in fact, John started his book with that. I want you to see this in the first sentence of John. John 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, right? So before there was time, Right, which don't think about that too long because that'll make your head hurt. Before there was anything, there was this perfect relationship where God is never alone. And John introduces us to the first person of the Trinity by describing Jesus as the Word. And he was with God. And Jesus introduces us to the third person of the Trinity here in John 14, this uh, helper, this spirit of truth. And inside the Trinity, you have this perfect relationship that has always existed. And there's never been aloneness in the Trinity. Mm -hmm. And so out of that, Jesus is making these statements that uh, speak into our loneliness. And and this idea sometimes maybe that we have that we're, uh, we're separated from God and from other people. And the, and the idea that there's never been aloneness in the Trinity is kind of the, 
Yeah. The foundational starting point. For because that. it has to do with where Jesus and his disciples find themselves at this current moment, right? What's happening right now? Where's Jesus at right now? You guys remember? We're in the last 24 hours of Jesus' life. The cross, I mean, is directly on the horizon right now. And Jesus has said uh, in a couple chapters before this, he's told it to the crowds, hey, I'm going away. Uh, and then he says it to his, this close-knit family, this group of men who have followed Jesus, who are his disciples. They're gathered together. Now Judas, the one who betrays Jesus, has gone away. So it's just this inner circle of 11. And Jesus starts off chapter 14 by saying, let not your hearts be troubled. I've just told you someone's going to betray me. I, I've just told you that I'm going away. And he does not want their hearts to be troubled. I think that's amazing, first of all, that Jesus is concerned with their hearts and where right. they're at at that moment, right? I mean, he's about to go to the cross, and Jesus is concerned about them. And so he's telling them, let not your hearts be troubled. I know you're going to start feeling like you're going to be left all alone, but here's some really good news, that there's one who's going to be coming, another helper. And Jesus kind of unfolds this for us by making all these things, he's telling us these things he will do. Right. And actually what the Trinity will do. He, he starts with, so um, think about this, Jesus promises in verse 13 that he will answer prayer. Mm -hmm. Right? If you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father be glorified. Verse 14, if you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Now, that doesn't mean anything, right? That precedes, that's preceded by this statement, which is mind-blowing in and of itself. Uh, verse 12, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. Remember some of the works we've seen him do, right? Walked on water. Yeah, walked on fed water. 5,000. Yeah. Uh, raises a guy from the raises dead. Raises a guy from the dead. Um, Greater works than that. How do you, how do you do something how, how bigger do you, than raise someone from the dead? Yes, how do you top that? Um, so all that Jesus has done, all of his works have served one purpose, to glorify the Father. He, every time something happens, he says, I'm not speaking uh, uh, on my behalf, but I speak only what the Father gives me to speak. I do the works the Father gives me to do. So everything Jesus does is grounded in this idea that he is trying to glorify the, the Father. And so the context for us to ask is in, is what we're asking going to bring glory to the Father? And if it is, then Jesus says, you ask for that and I'll do it. And so they, we get directly just, related to that is the greater works. Right. What, what's greater than someone coming back from the dead? And that's someone coming back from the spiritual dead. Yeah. Right. Because that's what Jesus has come to do. He's come to, to, to do his work on the cross so that people can believe, so that people can cross over from death to life, spiritually speaking. So in, in Jesus' eyes that, you know, if Lazarus died again, he, he, yeah. he rose Lazarus from the dead, but he Lazarus died again. And Jesus is saying there's something bigger than that. There's something greater than that. That's when someone's life is woken up, eternally speaking, yeah. and their soul is made alive in him. And so uh, that's, I mean, that's the greater works. And, and so what brings him the most glory, when we ask for that, I promise you, if you start asking Jesus to, that he would get glory in someone's life, that, that someone's life could be awoken, awakened to spiritual things, to Jesus and to new life in him, 
just just watch out. I, you'll, yes. you'll see it. Yes, yeah. and, and he will answer that. He will do it. Um, so th- think about the, w- your illustration of being alone and not being able to find anybody. You just want somebody you could ask, right? Well, Jesus is saying, ask, I'm, I'll answer. So you have that promise against this idea of aloneness. Um, and as we see these things, there's no way we could do greater things. It's almost like Jesus yes, is kind of it's teasing impossible. us. He's like saying, like, yeah. hey, you're going to do greater things. Well, how are we going to do that? And he says, well, here's how. And that's the next I will. If, if you love me, you will keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father. So get the, get the picture of the Trinity. Jesus I says, I will ask the Father, mm-hmm. and the Father will yeah. give you another helper to be with you forever, even the spirit of the truth. So Jesus says, you're going to ask me, I'm going to go to the Father, and Dad's going to send you some help. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this, uh, this helper, um, we, we need to kind of talk about that word. Yeah. It's, uh, so it can be translated, maybe your translation has helper, it could have comforter, right. um, counselor. counselor. Yeah. Really, probably one of the best Words for it is the word advocate, yeah. right? Um, what's an advocate? What's a good example of an advocate? Yeah, let me pause right, right here. I don't know if um, last week we had our, my phone number up on the screen. If you have a, a question about the Holy Spirit as we talk through this, if, I don't know if they're able to pop that back on, but you can send that question in. We'll try to answer it as we go. But the advocate, uh, here's, here's the first thing that popped in my mind because I'm a foster parent, and uh, I found out early on that there was this certain role that people could play in the foster uh, system called ACASA. That's the uh, acronym for Court Appointed Special Advocate. The Court Appointed Special Advocate would be appointed by the judge. This advocate would work on behalf of a child who really didn't have a voice. So in my case, when uh, we were fostering a little boy and a little girl who eventually became our son and daughter, uh, they had a casa. They had this advocate who spoke on their behalf. They were too little to really say like what they wanted. And so here's this advocate who comes alongside them and who is saying, this is what we think is in their best interest. They're the voice for this child. They're the one who's, who's advocating for what's best for them. And I, I think, to me, that was the picture. I was like, yes, that's, uh, that's a lot of what the Holy Spirit does. So it's somebody that's for you, yeah, right? The, this word, this word that's translated, at least in the ESV, helper, is used, uh, John uses it again in 1 John. And you don't have to turn there, uh, but 1 John... Uh, is a letter that is written to encourage the church. And in chapter two of first John, verse one, he says, my little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. Think about that. Jesus himself, John says, is our advocate before the Father. And and we know this from other places in Scripture that right now, as we're gathered in this room, Jesus himself is before the Father, interceding on our behalf. Jesus is saying to the Father, uh, there with me. (laughs) I've 
uh, you know, John says he is, uh, he, he carries that out there. He says he is the propitiation for our sins. Like he, Jesus is saying, I, I've got yeah. that. Yeah. I covered that sin. I paid the penalty for that sin. And he is advocating before the Father, right? On our behalf. The, the Spirit is sent by the Father as uh, to advocate for the Father in our life, right? To assure us God is for us. Mm-hmm. God is, mm-hmm. uh, means good toward us. And we're gonna see that. Uh, in fact, we can, we can jump down and look at it now where, where Jesus talks about the helper again. The Holy Spirit, who the Father will send in my name, will, will do two things, at least, right? Will teach you all things mm-hmm. and bring to remembrance all things. So the Holy Spirit sent from the Father is reminding us, saying to us, hey, remember the things Jesus has done for you and teaches us the thing, illuminates the scripture to us and lets us feel the the love and the truth of Jesus in our lives. Mm -hmm. And so that's this role of this advocate in our life. So Jesus is pleading for us. The Holy Spirit is pleading in us to bring us towards uh, God. If, okay, ready? Oh, wow, here uh, we go. Uh, if Jesus, sorry, just lost it. If Jesus is our advocate, what role does the devil play figuratively? Figuratively? I think they're, maybe they're asking, does... Oh, he's an accuser. Yeah. Yeah, he's an accuser. We yeah. know this. Yeah, I, I was thrown off by the figuratively Yeah. there for a moment. He's literally the accuser, right? He's called that in Scripture. So I don't know about figuratively, but, but he, st- he, he you take Job, for instance. The book of Job, he comes before God and, and starts making accusations. We know uh, from other places in the Scripture he's, he's like a roaring lion seeking whom he can destroy. He is, Jesus tells us, uh, a liar and the father of lies. He comes to steal, kill, destroy. He's... The accuser. That's right. Not the advocate. That's right. So, okay. So, and here's someone's asking about the Trinity, and let's let's focus. A Can little I give bit more. my Trinity quote that I love? Yes. So yeah. here's the deal with the start Trinity. With this, yeah. You ready? Augustine once said, "Reject the Trinity, go to hell. Study the Trinity, go insane." Got that? So All right. Just, that'll help you. <laughs> here, here it is. <laughs> Okay, no, not like the whole explanation, but yeah. No, uh, yeah, that's it. Let, let, <laughs> let, here it is, let me talk to you about what Jesus is saying about the Trinity, at mm. least in this passage, okay? He says in verse 16, I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper. The, another, there's two Greek words that can yeah. be used and one points to one that's just like, one points to one that is uh, another as in different than, than that. And this one is one just like. So Jesus, first of all, he's saying there's one just like me. That's the good news. He even says later in uh, John chapter 16, I think, or 17, uh, we'll get there. Uh, Jesus says, it's actually to your advantage that I'm leaving. Uh, so he's saying there, there's, there's something good behind this that I'm leaving. Yeah. But listen, to, he does say he's leaving, right? He says, um, verse 18, I will not leave you as orphans. So he says, I'm leaving. I'm not going to leave you as orphans. How? I will come to you. I'm leaving, but I'm coming to you. Yeah. Is this making sense? Okay. Uh, so he says that later in verse 
23, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him and we will come to him. I'm leaving, but I'm coming. Me and my father will come to you and make our home in you. Okay, so Vic started off talking about how uh, John shows us that there is this community happening within the Trinity where they are one. There's this withness uh, that they are together. They're one. So it's God is one. We absolutely believe that. There's three distinct persons within God, right? And, and, And persons, because he uses those pronouns here, he says he... Uh, this, the spirit of truth in the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. So this isn't an impersonal force. That's where a lot of people go wrong right. Right. On, the, on the Holy Spirit. They think it's some kind of force out there. This, this is God himself who comes and lives in us. So they're, they're one in that Jesus sees it, that he's, he's leaving, but he's going to be in us. Got it? It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> Trust us. It's... Uh... It's hard to wrap your head yeah. around, right? Because we're, we're so limited by time and space and what we know about relationships and our brokenness that we, it's hard for us the, to the grab on The important words are that they're one and they're distinct. Yeah. And, that, and this passage is laid out perfectly. Go back and you can read through it again, even earlier part of chapter 14 where Jesus talks about his relationship with the Father. And you see how that interacts again, but then at the same time, Jesus is saying, but we're one. We're me and the Father are going to live in you through the Holy Spirit. And, and the Holy Spirit works, or the Trinity works in unison. Uh, look, Jesus says, I will do it. He says, I, yeah. uh, I will not leave you. But he says, the Father will. So each person of the Trinity is doing certain things. The Father will send the Helper. The Helper will teach you and re- remind you. They all have roles mm-hmm. in uh, our uh sanctification, our justification, the, the Trinity is working for us. Now think about that, right? If you get nothing else this morning, think about that. This indescribable person, yeah. Father, Son, Spirit, that is in perfect union, perfect love, never makes a bad decision, is for us is working for me and you. If you hear nothing else this morning, hear that. The Trinity is doing things for you. That, that's mind-blowing when you think about it. And it's defined by relationship, right? Yeah. Uh, even this point about if you love me, you'll keep my commandments, uh, that's the one point in this passage that you might say, okay, like he's getting off onto like something that, that's kind of impersonal, right? Like uh, here's, a, check, here's yeah. a conditional, here's, like, here's a checklist for you. Um, if you go back to Exodus chapter 20, feel free to turn back there with me. Exodus chapter 20, it's at the um, very front of the Bible, and you might remember it if you've been around Bible study for very long. If not, no big deal, but Exodus 20, is where we have the very famous Ten Commandments. Mm. I just want you to see something, because a lot of people forget about this. It starts off like this in Exodus 20, and God spoke all these words saying, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. How does he start off his words, his commands? I'm the Lord your God who brought you out of slavery. 
He starts off saying, listen, I have a relationship with you. And in this relationship, this is what, this is what it looks like to follow my ways. Mm. And so when we think about the Trinity, when we think about who God is, it has everything to do with relationships. So even when he says, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments, he's speaking of a relationship. He's speaking of being, one, being with the Father on this, of us being together with him. I, like, here's an example, it, like, dawned on me this week as I was reading this, because it's mentioned in verse 15, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Then it's mentioned again in uh, 21, whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. Then again in verse 23, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word. My daughter who, my four-year-old daughter, was this week, I put her in bed, she's like infamous for this in our house, I put her in bed and like, it's, hey, it's time to go to bed, you, Ruby, you, it's, right now, like, it's, you've been up, she stays up later than everyone else in our house, she doesn't require like much sleep, and so I put her in bed, I was like, listen, for real, this time you have to go to bed, guess what, what, 20 minutes later, she's up out of her bed, okay, Ruby, go get back in your bed, you're supposed to, it's bedtime, you need to go to sleep, 20 minutes later, again, again, <laughs> like, she had got up from bed five times, and like, you know, we had done every sort of punishment up to this point. And then finally, I just, I said, let's have a talk. <laughs> Listen, do mommy and daddy love you? Yes. Look, do you, do you care what mommy and daddy have to tell you? Yes. And we had just been studying this passage. And like, somewhere in the middle, I was like, oh my gosh, this is what Jesus was doing. <laughs> He's like, do you love me? Do, like, do, you, do you care what I have to say? If so, Listen, yeah. it's for your good. And so Jesus says, like, all of this is, again, within relationship. I think that's so important as you think about this. And, and I think uh, this is descriptive, not prescriptive, right? Jesus isn't saying, obey so I will love you. He's describing what a true follower looks like. A true follower is someone who loves and obeys. And it's imperfect obedience, right? Because we're... we're this side of heaven, we're still broken and we make mistakes and, and it's why we need an advocate before the Father. And, and so it, it's descriptive of, of what should characterize our life. Uh, we should be characterized by this. We love Jesus and we obey, although imperfectly obey. Mm -hmm. Another great promise in here is that Jesus is going to be with us. Yes. That is, um, so when, when you're alone, right, this idea that he's going to be with us. We, we've talked about this in John already, but uh, God's desire since the fall has been to be with his people. He's pursued his people so he could be with them. And, and there's... Um, it, this interesting phrase that, that's captured uh, me this week, I will not leave you as orphans. Mm -hmm. And um, you, you think about that idea. What, what an, an orphan is someone with no parents, no home. Uh, and then Jesus uh, says, I'm, you're going to feel like an orphan soon. Mm -hmm. he, he's addressed them as little children just a few chapters before. He says, you're going to feel like an orphan, but I'm, you're not. I'm not going to leave you as orphans. And look at the language. In verse 23, Joel's already read this. The, the, my father and I are going to come, and we will make our what? 
Turn your head down into your Bible. We will make our what? I'm going to, I can wait. Home. There it is. We will make our home with you. What does every orphan want? A home. And Jesus is saying, the Father and I are going to come. You're going to be our home. Mm-hmm. Right? I'm not going to leave you as an orphan. That's, a, that's an amazing promise. So God is dealing with the problem that began all the way back in Genesis. In, Gen- in Genesis, we read about how Adam and Eve had this uh, unbelievable relationship with God where uh, they walked with him and God dwelt with them. And then, of course, they sinned, follow the story all the way to where uh, God makes a promise with Abraham. He's doing this to bless the nations, and through Abraham, he's going to make him a people. He make, he, he's fulfilling that promise. The people become great uh, in the land of Egypt where they become slaves. God brings them out of slavery. I just read that in Exodus 20, and he says, here's what I want you to do. I want you to build a temple because I want to come and dwell with you. I want to make my home with you, mm. right? And then uh, we see that the people uh, still it's just, it's not where Jesus has not been provided that he is, the final answer has not yet arrived because we're sinful people. How can God dwell among a sinful people? That's the question the Bible is addressing. Yeah. And then in John chapter one, it says that Jesus came and tabernacled among us. He came and made his home among us. He moved into the neighborhood. And this is the answer after Jesus for us about how a holy God can dwell among a sinful people. It's through the work of Jesus on the cross that he comes in the Holy Spirit, dwelling in us, making a home in us. In 1 Corinthians 6, 19 through 20, it says, or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, Mm. whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. So you're walking around with God himself dwelling in you if you believed in Jesus for salvation. And so uh, I I wanna bring us back around to where we started, this idea of uh, being alone. And you know, we we all have moments where we can feel alone, like Joel uh, talked about in the big box store, but there's an alone that kinda gets into your soul and um, it, it's painful. Um, I know personally for me, some of my darkest moments have been because I have this, this deep sense that I'm alone. And uh, it's caused a lot of pain in my life and a lot of uh, the relationships I'm in because this idea that I'm an orphan, that I'm alone and you, you may be in that place today, but here's, here's the hope, right? Because, because what happens is that the enemy in the garden comes into the garden and disrupts perfect harmony and peace. And what we really want is peace. Jesus makes that promise, I will give you peace. Not the That's way right. the world gives. That's right. And, and think about this. So he's in, he's in Rome, right? R- Pax Romana, for all you history majors in the room, the peace of Rome. How did, how did Rome get peace? By the sword. How did Rome keep peace? By the sword. 
And this expectation that the Jewish Messiah is going to ride in on a war horse with a sword to out-roam Rome, right? Because you, you can keep peace as long as you're the biggest bully on the block, right? But here comes a man who says, I'm going to give you peace, but not the way Rome gives peace, not by the sword. I'm not going to keep peace by the sword. I, I'm going to bring you peace by putting myself under the sword. And then uh, that's how you get peace in the kingdom. I, I willingly submit myself to the will of the Father, which is death on a cross on our behalf. And if you, you look at uh, the end of this text here, my, my peace I give you, not as the world gives. Let me just insert one thing and let you finish. All right. It's just, I, I want you to hear this morning, this is real. Yeah. Like the peace of God through the Holy Spirit, that's real. I, I mean, as I was working through this, I thought of the, the, one of the hardest moments of my life came when um, mm. one of my daughters had a seizure, stopped breathing. Yeah. I was in the ambulance, just my life was flashing before my eyes with my little girl in the back of it, with you know, pumping oxygen into her. And there was peace. I was totally distraught but there was peace. And there's only one explanation for that. Mm. And that's the Holy Spirit's work in our life. Yeah. And that's what he wants to give you. Yeah, this reminder, that's, the, that's one of the things Jesus says, he will remind you. That the peace is one of the things he's reminding you of. And I hope this morning, if you're, if you're in a place where, where you're, there's just no peace in your life, you can hear that. But think about this, if you feel alone right now, there, there's a phrase in here, we, we sang about it this morning. Jesus is saying in verse 30, I'll no longer talk much with you for the ruler of this world is coming. He has no claim on me. Now that, that is a, that's a heavy phrase. He has no claim on me. Mm -hmm. why, why would Jesus say that? Because here's what's gonna happen. He's, a, he's hours away from being arrested, brutally beaten and executed at the hands of Rome. And they're gonna think it's over. The disciples themselves are gonna scatter Rome like, well, we, 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 we killed the leader and stopped another insurrection. It's gonna look like that. In fact, the enemy thinks he's won. I mean, think about it. Let me, let me read the account to you from Matthew's gospel. Now from the sixth hour, I'm in Matthew 27. You don't have to turn there, just listen to this. From the sixth hour, Jesus is on the cross. Think about this idea of being alone. From the sixth hour, there was darkness all over the land until the ninth hour. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, saying, Eli, Eli, lemona sabachna, that is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Remember that Trinity? Perfect unity, perfect relationship. There's never been a time except that moment. Listen, there was a moment in history where the Trinity a member of the Trinity was alone. 
like you've never been alone. Think, think about that perfect unity between that love between the Father and the Son. And in that moment, because of our sin laid on Jesus, he is alone. Because of us. But he's alone, so you never will be. And, and here today, hear this. If you're feeling the weight of being alone, you're thinking nobody's for you, hear this. You have an advocate before the Father. His name is Jesus. You have an advocate from the Father to us living in you, hopefully, the Holy Spirit that today is saying to you, you're not alone, you're not an orphan. But if you've never said yes to Jesus and, and there's this deep, aching loneliness in you, maybe today it's the Holy Spirit saying to you, You have a home, and it's, it's a person, and the person is Jesus. And, and so when he dies on that cross, shouting those words, why have you forsaken me, Father? He, he's alone, so you won't have to be. And, and this morning, our, our hope would be, um, so think about, think about it. So alone, buried in a tomb, the disciples scatter. But then this promise, Jesus says, he has no claim on me. He thinks he's one, but here's, here's what's gonna happen. I'm gonna give you the spoiler, right? He's gonna lay in that dark tomb alone for three days. And then he's gonna roll that stone out of the way and walk out. Yes, yes. To prove. The ruler of this world has no claim on That's me. Right. Here's the good news. If he has no claim on Jesus, guess what? He has no claim on you. That's right. No claim. Because we, we've read it. We've said it multiple times again. The Trinity's for you. <laughs> the Holy Spirit lives in you. The enemy has no claim on you. And so th this morning, I, I want to pray for us. But, but I, want you to, I want you to let this sit with you today. If you struggle with the idea of being alone, know this, you're not alone, you're not an orphan. And if you just want a home and you're just, you, you just feel like, I don't belong, maybe you just need to say to Jesus, Jesus, I want you. Mm -hmm. I want you to come live. Make your home in me. Let me pray for us. Father, the, these promises are, I mean, we're just, we could stay here all day and, and work through this and, and not even scratch the surface. But, but my, my hope is today that people would, would walk out the room and not feel alone. I, I know that, uh, God, these promises Sometimes are hard for us to believe they apply to us. We may think they apply to everybody in the room but us. And so, Father, wh whoever that's happening in this morning, I pray that these words of Jesus would ring in their ears. I will not leave you alone. I will not leave you as an orphan. I will come to you.
The Father and I will come and make our home with you. The helper, the advocate will be in you. He will bring to remembrance all these promises of Jesus. He will teach. He will give peace. And that no matter how dark the storm, no matter how bad the problem, we are never alone because you were Jesus. And so I pray, Holy Spirit, you would take uh, our efforts at trying to explain some of this this morning and let it land on fertile soil, Holy Spirit, and you do what you do when you grant the miracle of life and hope and encouragement. And we pray it in the name of Jesus, amen.